Wow, thank you for the worship. <clears throat> uh, thank you for your patience and kindness to me. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2 uh, before we get started on the passage tonight, which was dealing, we're dealing specifically with verse 27. Oh, I, uh, I owe you a uh, deep apology. Uh, from, if you weren't here last night, you weren't in on this, but uh, owe you an apology from last night. I could blame it on old age, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what I'll do. Uh, but uh, I told you that I bought a BMW and I did not. It was a Honda. I just, I'm really, I'm, I don't know what happened to me. I just, it was just a moment. It was just, it was just, uh, so please forgive me. Wow. Uh, and if you do forgive me, then let's come to the word together. Uh, I had 15 phone calls on that today. I just, <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, so we're looking at Acts chapter two. What a passage, what a passage it is. My. And we're going to get into verse 27 uh, tonight. Uh, you know, context is everything, of course. You never want to look at anything without the context. And the context is the Pentecost event, which is verse 1 through 4. And so the event is much more than just an event. It's not just like, hey, it's, it's, it's a flow entering us into and experiencing on a moment-by-moment -moment basis the infilling of the person of God. All this time, God has been outside, and now he's come to be inside. And that is such a radical, overwhelming shift in the life of man, in the whole structure of religion, in everything we talk about. Suddenly, it's not about doing certain things. Suddenly, now, it's about intimacy and relationship. Suddenly, it's not about, are you a good person? Uh, are you honest? Do you pay your bills? Suddenly, it's all about, whoa, how well do I know him? How intimate am I with him? Is he sourcing my life? And is he a part of everything that's going on in my living? And suddenly, the whole thing is shifted because of this, and this is where God has been wanting to bring us. This is the restoration of Adam who blew it big time. <laughs> this is the restoration of all of that. This is God wiping the sweat off his brow saying, whoa, we're there, finally we're there. This is where I've been headed all this time. And this is Pentecost. And of course, there was a lot of confusion because three to 5,000 Jews were hanging around watching 120 who received this. And they asked the question in verse 12, whatever could this mean to be? And Peter, of course, moved upon by the Holy Spirit, stands to his feet and says, hey, I got to explain this to you. And he begins to deliver this phenomenal sermon. And again, emphasizing to you that everything he says in this sermon comes back to an explanation of Pentecost. He's not talking about anything else. No other subject is being discussed. You can't read into anything in this chapter about anything other, any other subject. He is discussing only what is going on in this 120, which is the Pentecost experience. And as he does that, he comes to the body of his sermon. We discovered verse 22, 23, and 24. And he focuses entirely upon this idea of the sourcing. In other words, what's going on in 120 is the same identical thing that was going on in Jesus. And what was going on in Jesus has now been expanded to 120, which Jesus promised that that would happen. 
So if you want to know what's going on in 120 and what should go on in your life, then you look at Jesus and say, oh, it'll be just like this. And indeed it will be. For the same spirit that lived in Jesus lives in 120 and now has come to indwell me. Now, maybe you didn't know there are two Holy Spirits in the Bible. There is the mediocre Holy Spirit and the wonderful, wonderful, powerful Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, there's not, folks. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's, there's not the firecracker and the dynamite. See, there's only one. And the one that Jesus had, the Spirit of God that lived in the man called Jesus and made Jesus Jesus has now come to remake the life of Jesus in me. Which is just phenomenal. And so he came back to the sourcing idea and he told us in verse 22 that Jesus was sourced by the Spirit of God in his life. And Jesus was sourced by the Spirit of God in his death. And Jesus was sourced by the Spirit of God, verse 24, in his resurrection. And then he saw the confusion on the crowd and said, hey, Jesus, come up here. I want you to testify and give your own personal experience about what it's like to be sourced by the Spirit. And so Jesus starts in, and it's a messianic psalm, and we've been walking through that psalm. So verse 25, we discovered that it's a concentration issue that Jesus begins with, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. And we discover that always before my face is literally, the words are literally in my eyeball. So it's the idea of in my eye. It's the idea of focus. It's the idea of Jesus becoming, the spirit of Jesus becoming the contact lens through which you see everything. He literally becomes the, the viewpoint of your life, it's not just he influences you or he touched me. Thank you, Bill Gaither. It's, it's way beyond that. It's, 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 it's so intimate and so integrated into your life. He has become so much a part of your living and not, not, not his miracles, not, not, not the organization, not the facsimile of, not the statue of, not, not the doctrine of, not not, well, that's what I believe. This is what you believe of. It's the person of Jesus himself. The person, the person. So the spirit of, the spirit of God himself has literally gotten in the eye. And you're all wrapped up in that person. That's an amazing thing. And then, then he moves you to verse 26 and says, let me not only talk to you about the concentration, but verse 26, let me talk to you about the celebration. So we discovered that all the time Jesus is being sourced by the Spirit, during that whole time, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Father, is in his eye. Focus. It's a focus. All the time the Father is in his eye, down deep in the inner core, we talked about this last night, down deep in the inner core of Jesus, his, his, what makes him who he is, there is this, this well-mind. There is this merriment. There is this life is good. There is this... You can't put ripples on the pond. There is this, hey, circumstances can't disturb it. There's this something that's way beyond what's going on outside. It's an internal, unshakable confidence of intimacy with him. In fact, it's moved into my emotions, he says, and it's moved into my nervous system. In fact, he says, I got a dancing face. In fact, my whole physical body we discovered is just responding to this. This, this father in my eye, this intimacy. Now, in my mind, that immediately brings up a question. 
And he begins to deal with that in the verse we're going to try to get into tonight. And the question is, what kind of relationship would this really be like? You understand there's levels to relationship. And I have theological issues with this. And hey, your opinion, my opinion, everybody's opinion, so what? But there are, there are ideas. Of, there, there are levels to relationships. I, I understand that. For instance, I probably have a relationship with over 500 women across the United States, but never on the level of my wife. So there are relationships and then there are relationships. So is Christianity just a relationship or is it a relationship or is it really a relationship? And can you pick and choose what relationship you want? Well, I don't want to get wild with Christianity and, and I, hey, Jesus is okay, I got that and I certainly want him as my savior so I'll just, hey, I'll just get saved and my, my, my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life uh, and I probably won't have a big mansion down on Main Street like Apostle Paul, I got that. I'll probably have uh, some cabin on the back 40 with an outhouse but at least I'll be there. <laughs> so is that the way this is? See, is Christianity a... Just, a, just get your name written down. Just get your free ticket. Just what is this that we're dealing with? See, what, what, is, the, what is Christianity in its essence? And, and you, can you be a Christian and have that kind of attitude? Can, can, you, even, can you even talk of it? And he, he moves us into this phenomenal verse. Look at verse 27. He says, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Look at it again. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Now you notice immediately what's happened in the passage. He has shifted in the pronouns. Oh, come on, you saw that. He shifted in the pronouns. Look at verse 25. He says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is. So he's referring and talking about God. He's referring and talking about the Father. He is at my right hand. So he's talking about how the Father's in his eye. He's talking about how the Father is stimulating this in his heart. He's talking about the Father, how the Father is sourcing this whole thing. And he's, he's giving a testimony, telling you about the Father. But then he gets so carried away in the relationship, see? Something has happened within him in terms of the relationship. In other words, it isn't just about the father anymore. He just gets carried away and says, oh, you father. And he just begins to talk to the father. Now, the music department understands that concept because we've moved from praise to worship. Now, nobody's against praise. Thank God for praise. We love to praise. We ought to praise. We want to praise. We will praise. Let's praise the Lord. But praise is basically talking about Him. See, we don't have time on Sunday morning for everybody to give a testimony. So what we do is we stand to our feet and we sing a song. And most of the old hymns are praise songs. So we, with one voice, sing our testimony and look at each other, whack each other on the back and say, oh, you too. He brought me out of the deep miry clay. Oh, you too, me too. Wow. And we praise. And we talk about what God has done in our lives. And all that's good. Hey, we're not knocking that. That's wonderful. We love to do that. But see, before we get done, we move from that we move into singing about, from singing about him to singing to him. 
Does that happen to you? <laughs> I got a couple of guys I know from way back, you know, we've uh, held meetings in the churches and so forth and so forth for years and years. And um, great churchmen, great churchmen, great churchmen. Our conversations go like, uh, hey, how, how's it going? Oh, the church is going good. Yeah. Hey, build a new gymnasium. Woo. Paid our budgets this year. Yeah. Tennis is up. See, it bothers me that all of these years I've known these guys, they never, you would think sometime, they just get all blubbery and say, oh, I love Jesus so much again, I stand it. <laughs> now I know not all the time, because sometimes you got a headache. I get that. I know it's been a rough day. I understand that. But you'd think, there would be, I know, I'm not an emotional person. Oh, okay. Although I've seen you at a ball game. So I, I don't know. See, see you, just, you, you just look at this and you would just think that sometimes, someplace, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be proper that down deep inside of you, you would, maybe you don't give expression to it. Maybe you don't raise your hand. It's okay. Maybe you don't say, hey man, maybe you don't cry. It's all okay. Maybe you don't run the aisles. It's all all right. Hey, any, I don't care. I'm not promoting anything. But I'm only saying that sometimes, someplace, wouldn't it be proper that once in a while that down deep inside there would be this overwhelming, oh, Jesus, here's something. That's this. So he moves the sea from this talking about the Father and he's in my eye and all of this, all of these benefits of it to, oh, an intimacy and a, a oneness and a coming together. Now, verse 31, verse 27, or rather, verse 27 is the most important verse in the passage. And you say, well, how do I know that? Well, one reason, it's my opinion. And, and it is my opinion. It de definitely is my opinion. But the reason it's my opinion is because if you go down to verse 31, you will see it's quoted again. Look at verse 31 in the sermon. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So he quotes the thing again. And if you continue in the book of Acts, you'll go to chapter 13, verse 35, and it's quoted again. And you know they didn't write letters like you write letters. Theirs makes sense. And, and, and the whole thing, they had to handpick their words, see? And when they said something twice, it was, whoa. So you get the feeling that this was some kind of bumper sticker statement for the early church. This was some kind of a slogan that they constantly said to each other. This was some significant, overwhelming idea that they were constantly passing back and forth. In fact, it's given to you again in verse 24. Now, not the identical same language, but oh, see in verse 27, it's future tense. Do you see that? You will not leave my soul in Hades. See, it's future tense because it was an Old Testament quotation. But in verse 24, it's present tense or even past. In fact, he says in verse 24, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And he, he describes death. Now, not 
heart quit beating, that kind of death. But death, death, I mean destruction, hell, ruination, all that's contained in, in eternal spiritual death. And he describes it as these gigantic fingers just reaching out to grab a hold of you and they reach out to seize you and trap you and drag you down and contain you and, and envelop you. And here's these gigantic fingers and he says these fingers of death come out to grab a hold of Jesus and they just, they just slide off. They just, they can't get a grip. They can't get a handle. They can't hold on to him. Why? Because he's got this roaring inside life of God just bursting through his bloodstream, boiling in his veins, just spilling through his very life, and it just turns him into Teflon oh, or something. So he just, he just can't hold him. He just can't. Wow, what a picture. John, John is so strong on that, and I don't have time to get into this, but you know in his gospel, he, he emphasizes the fact that, folks, we're not going to get eternal life We've already got it. We've crossed the line. I've already gone through the judgment. It's all over, brother. There's nothing but rejoicing. The sting of death has been, has been pulled out. There's the death. It's just, woo, off I go. It's not, it's a whole, it's no, there's no, oh, it's, wow. Because I've got this roaring light. Jesus turned to Martha at the, at the grave of Lazarus and said, if you believe in me, you will never die. You mean my lungs aren't going to quit? Oh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about there's this life of God that's within me that is so powerful that all of this. What a picture. And again, what kind of relationship would that take? Well, I knelt to the altar and he patted me on the head. Will that do it? Oh, Jesus passed by. Will that do it? See, what, what is he talking about in this thing? When we're dealing with Pentecost, and if Pentecost is the heart of Christianity, what kind of relationship is required for you to have? And he begins to describe that. This is so phenomenal. Look again at verse 27. He says, you will not leave. That just absolutely got me. The Greek word that's translated will not leave. Not is, of course, a word on its own, but so take that out, but it is in the negative. You will not leave is a translation of one Greek word. It has two prefixes to it. The root word is lipo, L-I-E-P-O, lipo, which literally means forsake and leave, which is how they translated it. So he says, Lepo, you will not Lepo me, meaning you will not forsake me, you will not abandon me, you, can, you will not leave me. But see, the Greek word not only has Lepo, the root word, it has kata, K-A-T-A, added to it, and it has in, E-N, added to that. So it's in kata Lepo. We didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> How do you translate that? What does that mean? So we just translated leave. But it misses all of this. See, in, you remember in, the in the eye thing. There's the word from, which is relocation, movement term. There's the into word, which is a movement term. Then there's in, which is fixed. So whatever's going on in the in kata is fixed. It's there, it's permanent, it's, it remains, it, it abides, that, that kind of idea. Kata is down, way down. I mean, way, way, way down. So whatever's going on is fixed and way down. 
And all that's the context of this leave thing. In other words, the picture is like this. Jesus is literally saying, this is so beautiful. Jesus is literally saying, oh, the Father and I are so mixed up. The Father and I is so, he, we're so intimate. The Father and I are just got, we're so mingled together. The Father and I have just gotten so intertwined that, hey, if you take us and dump us out on a table, you can't say, well, there's the Father, there's Jesus, there's the Father, there's Jesus, because, in fact, Father, he says, if you and I end up in hell, if I end up in hell, if I end up in Hades, if I go right down to the core of death itself, you can't get away from me. You and I are so mixed up together, there's no way you can escape. There's no way you can abandon me. Why? Because we're just, we're just intimate. We're just... <laughs> we're just so mixed up that... intertwined that you can't unweave us. See, what language, what, how do you picture that? How do you, how do you describe that kind of relationship with God? But that's what he's doing. He's talking about that kind of relationship. I just tried to come up with any kind and every kind of illustration. Welding, you probably know more about it, way more about it than I do. I know there's a purification process for welding, but when you break a piece of steel, you don't duct tape it, you don't super glue it, you weld it. And they tell me what you do is you heat both pieces of steel so hot that the molecules of the one intermix with the molecules of the other. And it'll never break there again if it's done proper. Woo! Turn off the heat, Jesus! <laughs> oh. It's a new creature concept. Paul said, you're a new creature. What does that mean? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? I'm a recovering alcoholic. What if I'm not? What if I'm not a recovering alcoholic? What if God has done something so dramatic in my life that I'm not who I was? That would ruin recovery groups, wouldn't it? Whoa. What, wouldn't, that, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be something, folks? Wouldn't that... A new creature. And the new creature idea is, well, an illustration of it is, here's oxygen. You breathe it. Here's hydrogen. I have no idea what you do with that. So, when, when those two come together, you drink the stuff. It's called water. Well, you don't stick water up your nose. I know, that's oxygen. But it's not oxygen now. Well, it is oxygen. Well, yeah, the oxygen is still there. The hydrogen is there. But somehow in the intermixing, they become a new creature. Wouldn't it be something, ladies and gentlemen, if this whole deal is God is who he is, I am who I am, and hey, I, I got that, and I'll never be God. I'm not proposing that. But wouldn't it be something if there could be an intermixing between the nature of God and myself until in that intermixing, he and I become something that he can't be on his own, or at least has decided he won't be. He can't be on his own, and I can't be on my own, and we become a whole new I got into the, the, the idea of the blood of Jesus. And of course, we don't have any of it. We sing about it. We talk about it. We preach about it. And we don't have any of it. Unless you do. If you have some of the blood, 
a small vial. We could charge a hundred bucks a look, <laughs> but we don't have any. It's all gone. Blood of Jesus is gone, folks. Physical blood, gone. Well, what's the big deal about the blood? You go to Hebrews chapter 9, and it's just full of the blood idea. And the whole idea is that the, 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 the Hebrew concept was that life is in the blood. So the blood comes out of the heart, comes back to the heart. So the core of life is the heart and the blood carries that life, carries that life. So the blood, when you take a man's life, you take his blood. When you take his blood, you take his life. So it's all wrapped up in this life. And they had the idea, and this has sexual connotations. And so I don't want to get carried away with this, but, but just, just think about it. Just, just consider that the Hebrew had the idea that the blood was something of the, carried something of the sperm of life. And ladies and gentlemen, what was going on on a cross was God was literally injecting the very sperm of his eternalness into a world. And off of a cross, a whole new breed of humanity was born called sons of God. And we're not like anybody. We're a whole new species. See, we're not like anybody who's ever lived. We're a whole new breed, man. There's nobody like us around. Why? Because we're not on our own. We've, and in that merger, his life and my life, this whole new, whoa, that's this. I, I, I've heard people, you know, give the John the Baptist testimony and hey, it's a good testimony and, and, and I'm not knocking anybody and I, and, and I know the motive is right and, and I appreciate the intent. But theologically, it's not. It's Old Testament. See, John said, I must decrease. He must increase. That's, the sentiment of that is good. Less of me more of him but you realize that's not theologically that's a little off see we've never I don't think believed that self was eliminated self is good you're unique you are good it's always been not death to self but death to self-centeredness it was the selfishness it was self that got carried away. So I would like to propose to you that Christianity is not none of me and all of him. That's not Christianity. Well, Christianity is not all of me and none of him. That's for sure. But just think about it. Christianity is not none of me and all of him. Well, what is Christianity? Oh, wouldn't it be something if Christianity was all of me and all of him in a merger? in an intimacy of oneness that produces a, a new dad and a, a new husband and a... Not a reform guy, not a guy who's, well, he's better than he was. Not that, but a... Oh. That's this. That's this. Now... Everything I just told you is verified, is backed up and validated by the next statement. Look again, verse 27. You will not leave, meaning this incatalipo, intermixing, 
can't get away from me. We're so tied up together. There's no way to separate us. My soul. Now, my soul was really interesting for, for me. Because see, when you say soul to me, and hey, terms, I don't know. Anyhow, when you say soul to me, I immediately think of that part of me that's eternal, that part of me that's made in the image of God, that part of me that makes me special. Animals don't have it. Although I have a dog that might. But no, anyhow, it's, it's animals don't have this. It's, this. it's this image of God thing that's within the human life that makes me distinct from angels and everything. But here's the interesting thing. The Greek word that's translated my soul there is given to animals in the New Testament. Animals have it. So evidently he's not talking about soul, soul. So what, what is he, my soul, what, what is he talking about? And, and when you investigate this, it, it has the idea of, of principle of life. In other words, it goes back to the sourcing idea again. It goes back to the, what is it that's within you that sources you, that makes you out like you are, that produces you? An example of where this is used again is like uh, Paul was preaching. It was odd afternoon and it was a third story evidently. And this guy was sitting in the window and it was a long sermon, aren't they all? And the guy fell asleep and fell out of the window. Which is a warning to everybody who sleeps in church, bless God. <laughs> oh, sorry. So Paul ran down the stairs and this guy was dead and, or whatever. And, and he, he fell on this guy. The scripture says he covered this guy with his body, looked up to the crowd that gathered around and said, his, whatever this word is, what makes him live, the principle of life has not left him. Now, I tried to get a hold of this, and one idea about this concept is the DNA concept. And I'm an expert on DNA because I watch CSI. I'm preparing to be a criminal. Uh, DNA, interesting. Uh, over here's my dad. You look at his face, you look at mine. Oh, he's your dad, yeah. Why? I have his DNA. See, my dad gave me these things. Thank you, Dad. My dad gave me this thing, a little top-heavy. Thank you, Dad. See, nobody asked me. See, you didn't fill out a form, multiple choice, size of nose. It just shows up all over your face. See, nobody said, color hair, what would you like? See, there were no options on this. It was why that DNA is producing me. And the reason I look like I look and the reason I am, I walk like I walk. I walk just like my dad. I just, I just, I'm, I'm just, he's all over me. Well, break out of that and be your own man. I, I don't know what to tell you. Now, here's where the illustration breaks down. See, I don't have my dad. I have his DNA. What if what we're talking about is, I don't have God is, God, I don't have God's DNA. He is my DNA. What if he actually came within me and sourced my life and became the producer of the way I am? Why do you look like you look? 
I can't help it. Thank you, Dad. See, I, the ways that I act, the way I act, I, I didn't plan it. I, it isn't, well, I got to keep the rules. See, it isn't, well, hey, slap my hand, bite to my lip, count to 10. See, it isn't that. There's something going on in me that is so merged with my system that this, this, it, Oh, dear friend, if your Christianity is a mere cultural training way you've been raised, obligation have to thing, I feel overwhelmingly sorry for you because the truth of it is you're going to die and go to hell and miss all the fun here too. This is not about, well, I got to discipline myself. See, this is not about, well, yeah, I got to go to church. Stay awake through most of it, I guess. See, this is about, oh, the reason I am the way I am, the reason I think the way I think. Let me give you an illustration. Down in Jerusalem, they had this, by the, by the temple, they had this sheep gate. And you had to have one. Uh, because you didn't want the sheep coming through all the gates. You had to have a special gate where the sheep came through because you had hundreds and hundreds of sheep. Uh, during the Passover week, they slaughtered uh, 250,000 lambs. <sighs> all of those had to be brought into Jerusalem. And you don't want them going through all the gates. You want them going, because you know what sheep do when they come. Anyhow, you got this sheep gate. It's a, it's a mess. And down by the sheep gate, they got this pool. Can you imagine what it was like? And the rumor is that when the water is troubled, if you're the first one in, you get a miracle. So there's this guy that's been by this pool for 38 years. He's been laying there, wanting to be the first one to get in. And never is, because somebody always beats him. And he never gets a miracle. In 38 years, he's been on this pallet just laying there. And, and he just, he's really discouraged. And, and Jesus comes up to the guy. And why would Jesus be hanging around the sheep gate? I don't know. Anyhow, he came down there and, and addressed this guy and said, do you want to be made well? And the guy said, oh, yeah, I'll hang around and, and help me get in and, and be the first one. And, and Jesus said, don't need to mess with that. Just roll that bed up, put it on his shoulder and get out of here. So the guy all of a sudden found himself on his feet, rolled the bed up, flipped it on his shoulder and whoo, took off. Can you see him? He's, I, I'm not talking Walker and then Cain and then I'm talking, whoo, he's gone, brother. And he's running around the temple and oh, can you see? Wow, there's that 38 years. Well, that, well we know that guy. Look at there. My have been the first one to get in. God is miracle. Well, God bless him. And the old bed is bouncing on his shoulder and he's having a big time and everybody's looking at him. And, oh, I forgot to tell you. It's the Sabbath day. Can't carry a bed on the Sabbath day. So the Pharisees, they go over and surround this guy. And as they surround this guy, they reach in and pull out stones. Now you can carry stones on the Sabbath day. So you got to get the rules straight, people. Not a bed, but you can carry stones you can carry. So they got stones and said, we're going to stone you to death. So the guy who just got his miracles about to die. And you know what he said? He said, wait! Not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm not carrying my bed. It's not my fault. I'm not to blame for this. Well, what's going on? I was there minding my own business. You know me, 38 years, cheap gate pool. Hey, I'm, I'm there. And this guy came along and said, hey, and all of a sudden, whoa, in the bed, it's not my fault, it's his fault. 
Oh, who is this? He said, I didn't get his name. But if you'll let me off the hook, I'll find out and let you know. So that afternoon, Jesus confronted this guy. The guy found out who Jesus was and where he got his miracle. And he ratted him out. Can you believe this? He ratted Jesus out. So here comes the Pharisees surrounding Jesus and this man. And they've got their stones ready and said, we're going to stone you to death. Jesus said, why? He said, this guy's carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. He says it's not his fault. He says it's your fault. So we're going to stone you. You know what Jesus said? Not my fault. I'm not to blame. Well, somebody's going to die today. Jesus said, get your stones ready. I'll tell you who's to blame. My father. You know why I act like I act? I, I can't help it, folks. You know why I look like I look? It's not my fault. I've got this. preacher yeah I, I admit I did jump up pretty sharply and quickly and I did knock over my chair when I did it yeah and the chair went sprawling and uh, yeah yeah my face was red I admit that I admit that and I did stomp out of the room I will admit that and, and I did have some choice words for those brain dead board members I, yeah yeah and I didn't slam the door on my way out. I, I admit it. I admit it. I did that. Why'd you, why'd you do that? Well, Jesus made me do it. It's not my fault. And you reacted properly. Well, that's not true. But that's what you're saying. When you say, I'm a Christian, and you act that way. Hey, this is nothing to you, people. This is nothing to you. But see, when I'm, when I'm that way, then I wonder why my grandkids don't want Jesus. I wonder why my kids aren't. over here I say oh he's and over here I'm and even you and I both have a hard time putting see do you think come on do you think it's possible this Pentecost thing this 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 new covenant thing do you think this is more than just bumping your head once down there and twice down there and feeling a little better. Do you, do you think it's possible to, to merge? Do you think it's possible for you and him just to, to come together? Do you think it's possible for him to begin to produce a whole new... Do you think, could you turn your, the bone structure of your face, could you give it to him and say, change the way I look? Be, be my... Be my... 
somebody to blame for me. I want you to produce my attitude. I want my thought process. I want my body drives to be a... I want to see women the way Jesus sees them. Is this possible? Lord, if it isn't possible, it ought to be. Every fiber of my being screams out. Every pore of my spiritual system yells that this must be, this, this has to be. I'm sick of a Christianity that I do for you. I'd like to have a Christianity of merger with your presence in person until you literally produce in me your image. I'm tired of the touched up photo. Photo, I'd like to I'd like to be the real thing. I don't want to be a messenger boy about the love of Jesus. Going around the country saying God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. I I want to be the love of God. Give me your heart. Turn the heat up. And Lord, I don't know what you need to do in me to get this done. I don't, I don't know what blockades it. I don't know what I'm holding on to. I don't know what traditions there are that, I'm, that I'm, 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 I, won't, I won't give up. I, I, I don't know what it is, God. If there's anything in my life, I don't know what you need to bring to me. If there's something I don't have that you need to give me, God, if there's something in me that you need to take out of me, whatever it is, I don't care, God. Anything, everything, whatever you want to do, come, come, come. And may my life be so intertwined and merged and saturated and alive in you that all of me and all of you would literally begin to live together. Let me become your bride. Let us, I want to have pillow talk with you at night. Save me, O Jesus, from religion and give me yourself. Heads are bowed. Would you tonight respond to the craving you have within? to know him you're not going to sit there in that chair tonight are you and act like you know him as well as you could 
teenager, you've been raised in this. You, you, you know the stories. You, you, you know how to act. You've got it. Come on, man. Is he shaping you? see your source mom and dad do you realize dear people every problem you and I have in our marriages in our in our relationships in our every problem we have is traceable back to this the lack of this intimacy So, hey, no pressure. Come on. This is not a bawling out. Come on. This is not a finger in your face. This is all. Oh, do you know what the possibilities are? Do you realize the door that's been opened for us at Pentecost? What we could be, what we could be experiencing. Follow your heart tonight. I'll meet you here as we pray together. Be obedient.